Well, here we are. Season of Advent. Time of waiting. Time of anticipation. Of something great and joyous that's coming to you and to me. And during this four-week period of anticipation, we're carefully counting them down in different ways. Here's one of the ways we're counting them down. We have the Advent wreath here with the four candles that represent these four Sundays that we spend in Advent that in themselves represent the four countless centuries in which the world waited for the first coming of the Messiah, the Christ, the Redeemer, the Holy One. Three of these candles are purple because they represent the sadness with which we wait and how difficult it is for us to be patient and to wait. But the third candle that's lighted today for us for this third Sunday is a rose-colored, a color of gaiety, color of joy. Liturgically, it's almost like catching the, our second breath to be able to continue on uh, in our journey. In the ancient liturgies of the church, this was known as Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete, rejoice. And what the church is telling us and what the readings are telling us is, hold on, don't give up. We're almost there. We've got three Sundays behind us and only one more to go through to welcome Jesus Christ into a world that needs him so very, very much. We're also counting down these Sundays in our sermon series as we look at how does Jesus, Messiah, Lord, come to us? In what capacity is he coming to us? On the first Sunday, we noted that he comes to us as a judge because God who created us and who gave us life and who gave us a design by which we can live our life stands above us as the judge to encourage us to be faithful to the calling that he's placed on our life. He stands there as our sovereign judge. We have a rather, rather somber feeling about standing in front of a judge. We think that we're going to be condemned, going to be punished in some way when we stand before a judge. And that's all part of this because we all deserve to be punished. But the great joy is someone else has taken that punishment for us. And the recrimination that we should suffer, he has suffered for us. Because God loves us. And because God desires to show that love in so many ways. Yes, he is a judge, but he is a merciful judge. And then last Sunday, we brought that a little bit more in perspective when we said that he comes to us 
in order to convict us. And we very much need to face conviction. And what that conviction is, is that we're not just waiting for Jesus because it's a nice liturgical thing to do. It's a fun way to pass the time. But he's coming to do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Sinners need forgiveness. You're lost. I'm lost. People who are lost need a Savior. And that's what conviction is about. We need to face the reality of why Jesus is coming and what he does for us. Another word for conviction is convincing. And we don't have to convince God because he knows us and all of our shortcomings. Our job is to convince ourselves and to accept the reality that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that Jesus is coming for me to make a difference in my life and how I live it from this point on. This concept of Jesus coming as a convictor is summed up in the words of the Apostle John, who in his first epistle wrote these somber words that we all need to hear and to live into. John said, If you say you have no sin in your life, you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. Can you accept that? You know it. Will you admit it? To yourself. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And Jesus is coming to save me. Convince yourself of the reality of what that means, and you can open yourself up to receive the greatest blessing that can be given. The blessing of forgiveness and redemption and restoration and love. Because John goes on to say, But if you confess your sins, if you face the reality of the sin that you bear and confess them, then God will forgive you and restore you to all righteousness. I want to be restored. Do you? 
and you have to convince yourself that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior. You need Jesus in your life. Today we're on the third Sunday, Rejoicing Sunday. And the great rejoicing that Jesus brings to us on this Sunday is that after he has come as a judge and a convictor, now he comes to us to gather us together, to bring us together. In the letter to Zephaniah, and the uh, uh, writings of the prophet Zephaniah that you just read, which he wrote to the people who were in Babylon at that time to assure them that God was going to restore them, he begged them to live into the reality of the fact that their time of refuge was over and that God was going to bring them together and call them home. And that's the same meaning for us. God comes to gather us together. To make us realize that our home is with him. Our home is not in this world. This world is a punishment for the unfaithfulness to God. And all of the history of unfaithfulness to God from the time of the sin of our first parents down to the present time is the reason we are here in this world to serve the time that we have been judged and convicted to and to look forward to that time of bringing us Home. Now our job as Christians is try to make this world, transform this world as much as we can into the new world that we will be in at the end of this life when God calls us home. And Jesus said you have the power to do that because you are the salt if you live by the Christian message of the gospel, you have the power to bring the flavor of redemption and love and unity and peace and joy to this world. But you have to put it in your life first. You're the salt, the savor, the flavor of God's presence in this world. And you are the light that dispels the darkness in which evil is perpetrated in the lives of those who have not accepted the light. We as Christians purport to have accepted the light. Just the last few weeks, we've seen our baptismal ceremonies here with these precious little children that were brought before us and a candle that was given to them to remind them and their parents at this early age that they are called to be that light in the world. And that light is shed 
by the way we choose to live our lives. The whole history of the ancient world is ways in which man have been separated from God because of the bad choices that were made. Yes, sometimes as nations, sometimes as kingdoms, but ultimately as individuals. It's the choices that we make that separate us from God. And we have a wonderful illustration of that in today's gospel as John was preaching. And the people streamed out because they heard that there was a voice crying out in the wilderness declaring that the Savior, the Messiah, the Redeemer was coming and calling people to make the necessary changes in their life. Remember reading that on the screen here. And the people came out and they heard John's words and each of them called out to him. What must we do, the common person said. And John said, you must effectively love each other. Not by saying it in, in shallow and hallow words that are not backed up by action, but by doing it. If you have two cloaks and you encounter someone who has none, you give them one of yours. And share it with them. If you have food and you're aware of someone who doesn't, you share your food with them. We reach out to one another and begin that process of gathering together. Bringing together in salvation. We try to avoid such things as that. Sometimes we walk down the street, we see a beggar or what appears to be a homeless person, and we don't want to be bothered, and so we simply cross the street and walk down the other side instead of taking advantage of an opportunity that God has us, gives us, to show our desire and willingness to make the necessary changes that we need to make in our lives. By offering. Yeah, you may be ripped off. It may be a scam. But you haven't been deprived. You have been blessed. Because if you give it, offer it from a generous heart, God said he will bless that and reward it. And that's what we are called to do. You pick up the paper during this season and you'll see that many of the Christian churches are having special promotions of invitations to former members to come home you haven't been to church in a long time. We're still here. Come home during this Christmas season because that's where people are supposed to be, home. That's where your heart is supposed to be. 
And many churches have some very aggressive campaigns during this time saying, we love you. Whatever reason you left, put it behind you. Come back. Be a part of a faith community because that's Jesus' desire to gather together those who have been scattered. The devil loves to scatter, divide, and conquer. Separate us from one another. Weaken the resistance that we have on our own because we need each other. And Jesus comes to gather, to collect, to bring together, to harvest, to enfold us in the hands of God. That's the calling that we hear in Advent. Because we need to be together. To wait for the time when God calls us home. God knows this week. God certainly gave us a horrible and dramatic example. Of what happens when people separate themselves from the love of God. At this point, we have no idea about what was in the mind of this poor young man that could fill him with so much hatred and darkness that he could kill his own mother and then go to her school and kill the members of the class that she taught and anyone else who came in front of him and then to take his own life. How can that happen? Very simply, the devil is alive and well and working overtime. And many of us make his job easy because we just lackadaisically drift through life and don't have the identity of home and life and connection with God that he wants us to have. And that's why we need him so much. That's why this Christmas is not just a joyous celebration. It's a reality of who we are. And it's because in this connection with our God and with the promises that he has made to us, is the only way we have a logical explanation for what has happened. We'll never understand it fully in this life because there's so much emotion involved in it. See, the reality is these precious children and you and I were not made for this life. We were made for eternity. 
And God, in his wisdom and in his own planning, calls us into his presence in his own way and in his own time. That's not to say that he wanted this to happen. It happened because of choices that individuals made and the power that they have to perpetrate evil in the world. But the joy of it all that overcomes the tragedy is that these precious children were reborn into the presence of God and are there with God for all eternity and will be reunited with their parents and with their friends. Where was God in all of this? He was there in that classroom with the children, strengthening them, holding them in his arms and receiving them as the life was snuffed out of them, receiving them into eternal life. As Christians, we need to be able to see that and to accept it. And to continue to hold up those who have lost these family members. They're going through a difficult time and we pray for them because we are united to them. It may be a long distance, but we have ties with them that many of us did not know until it happened. And we realized right here in our midst, we have a family who was raised in that very town, went to school with some of the parents of these very children, know and love them, and they are aching. And Jesus comes to comfort. Yes, Jesus comes to gather us, and he gathers us in the words that St. Matthew gave us of Jesus' teaching in chapter 11. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, who bear a burden of this oppressive event, or beat down with the sorrow and horror of such an event. Come to me. And I will receive you. And I will give you rest and comfort and the ability to endure it until you reach that time where in God's presence you can understand it and rejoice in the glory of it. But until that time, we have to live in faith in the person who said, come to me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light and I will re restore your soul. Judge. 
convictor gatherers. We stand guilty before God. But our punishment is taken by him. And we have to convince ourselves of the reality of that and rejoice in it. And as Jesus opens his arms to us and invites us to come to us, we go to him who comes to gather. So that this Christmas will be an experience like no other in which we have recommitted ourselves to live the gospel that Jesus offers us. Rejoice and be 